Welcome to the Simple Cocktails Podcast. We are in Tales of the Cocktail 2015, and I'm Greg Mays, Managing Editor of SimpleCocktails.net. And I'm Lisa Mays. Thanks for tuning in. It's been a great time, and it's about time to go home. I'm sad. Yeah? Yeah, it's bittersweet. I'm excited to go home. I miss the kids so much. But New Orleans is amazing. And we've Tales of the Cocktail specifically has been a great time. Yeah. I, I, in, and I mean that not just because it is a great time, but we just so happen to have run into so many people. Right. Other liquor writers, like I said yesterday, just people that we've been wanting to meet, friends right. that we have, and then we got to meet some of the big stars. And so it's been a great experience. We, we really checked off everything that we wanted to on our list. Yeah, so. you asked me that. Super you, fortunate. Yeah, you were basically like, so what do we miss? <laughs> and I was like, I don't who, think anything. Who else do we need to hunt down? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Go wake them up this morning, you well, know. I was thinking about doing, um, like, you know, I pretend to fall in front of them, you yes, know. Yes, that's a good idea. And then, oh, crazy, I fell in front of you, <laughs> this guy I've been wanting to meet. I don't know. Yeah, hi. <laughs> Thanks for knocking me over. Right. So uh, let's start very, very late at night. How does that sound? Right. So... This didn't make it into our podcast yesterday because it was still in the works. Well, let me let me tell you why. Yeah. You said, Lisa, this is it. Let's go ahead and just grab some fast food, go home, right. do our show, and go to bed. And right. I'm like, awesome. I'm going to jump in the shower. Right. I'm going to put my pajamas on, and I'm going to get comfy. We did that. And then you were like, oh, let's go to a party. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, this party is five minutes away from our hotel. Let's right. go. So I got dressed up again, and we go out and uh, have about 10 more drinks. Yes, it was nice. Uh, so this was a Diageo party. And so what I want to sketch out for people, because I'm imagining that most people who are listening to the Simple Cocktails podcast from Tales of the Cocktail 2015 are not here right? or maybe have never been here. And so I want to sketch out what the days look like, right? So there's like seminars and tastings during the day. But as it goes toward the night, what you start to end up with is these portfolio parties, right, they call them. Right. So since we've been here, the very first one we went to is Pernod Ricard. Pernod Ricard is like Absolute Vodka, Kahlua, like brands like that, but a right. bunch of huge brands, right. right? So really late at night, there was a Bacardi portfolio party, basically at the same time as a Diageo portfolio party, right. which is very tricky of them because they're competitors. Mm -hmm. uh, we went to the Diageo one because it was closest to us. Now, Diageo most of you have never even heard that name because you're not in the liquor biz. Diageo was actually started by Guinness, by the Guinness family. And Diageo is Bullet Rye, Bullet Whiskey, Tanqueray, Tanqueray Guinness, of course, Red Stripe, Crown Royal. Right. Zacapa 23 Rum. Right. Zacapa 23 Rum, by the way, there's a nice story of that. Everyone was walking around. So they're all set up throughout, you know, the warehouse. Right. And everyone is walking around with this coconut. Yeah. With this hole drilled through it. Yeah. And a small little Zacapa Rum bottle right. just turned inside out. Like a mini. Right. On top of it. And it's kitschy and everyone has one and yeah. everyone wants one. And I'm like, Greg, we need to get one. Gotta so get I waited in line for 10 minutes. Yep. The thing was disgusting. <laughs> I felt stupid. <laughs> and that was even after a friend of ours said, don't wait in line don't for worry, this. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. <laughs> yeah. Basically what it was is a coconut with two holes in it and a mini bottle of right. rum stuck in it. And when so really when you drank out of the straw... You were just drinking rum. <laughs> and the, and then it's like at that second, I realized 
oh man, I got to hold a coconut for until I'm no, done with this drink. I got to walk around with this coconut. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, I felt like the most hugest consumer, two sips, and I was done. Do you remember the bicycle thief? Yes. I doubt that anyone really knows what no, that is. It's like not. an old mod movie, totally right. like crazy LSD movie. And uh, this guy goes into this club and they're all fighting for this guitar that some you know artist is throwing around. And he almost like kills people to get this guitar. Yep. He gets it, walks outside of the club and like tosses it on the ground. Yep. And I was like, that's me. Yep. Stupid coconut. I got to get it. I got to get it. There's got to be. <laughs> hey, but we have a photo of you with the coconut. So <laughs> well, there you go. It was all worth it. it. That's yeah. why we did it all. Mm-hmm. So the the cool thing is we got to uh, see some bartenders. Right. Uh, some big name bartenders. Right. One in, in particular, Charles Jolly, he is the guy that won, I think his U.S. Bartenders Guild right. uh, Bartender of the Year 2015. Right. He's making Tanqueray drinks. I got to take photos with him. Look at the Facebook page. Almost everything we talk about on this show, there's a photo of it happening. Right. I'm just so impressed by the fact that all of these really awesome bartenders yeah. are back there, like slinging drinks like crazy. Tending and bar. they're so sweet. I never saw any of them act like douches the entire time. No, they're not sitting on thrones. No. They're not acting cool. They were so sweet. Very nice guys. Very nice guys. Another guy we saw at the party, he was doing uh, Baileys. Right. He did these awesome, like, frozen Baileys drinks right. that were great. Third drink by him, by the way, yeah, that I right. got to have. That's right. We, we kept getting drinks from him. And then we got to spend some time talking to him. And this was Sean Kenyon. Uh, Sean Kenyon is um, the proprietor. You have to call them proprietors, not bar owners, because okay. it sounds way cooler. Okay. He's a proprietor of Williams and Graham, which is in Denver. Right. That's which, the closest craft cocktail bar to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yeah, for sure. It's got to be. And why have we never been there? I don't know. <laughs> I have a friend that was like, hey, have you ever he- heard of any good craft cocktail bars in Denver? I was like, the only one I've heard of is Williams and Graham, so it's probably good. Right. And then so it's been nice to, that we actually got to run into, talk to, and meet uh, Sean Kenyon because he was way down to earth and really cool. Right. And the next morning we were able to interview him. That's right. From from the Albuquerque perspective, the question we're always asking is how do we become a craft cocktail team? Yeah. So any thoughts on that? I think I, I think the, the, the thing to do is to start slow. Start with, you know, Getting a bunch of bartenders that master their classics, that care about what they're doing, and and you know, and they care about the relevance of of, of what they're doing. But you know, don't don't go off, off the off the beaten path. Don't go crazy. Don't put eleven ingredient cocktails out there. I think start with your basics. Get everybody to master. There's like twenty five drinks every bartender should know. You know, and master those drinks first, and then then branch out, and then let the guests be what they want. You know, be what they want to be. Let them drink what they want to drink, and then. Like I said earlier, is you know, to develop a relationship of trust, and then they're going to trust you to the point where you can take them beyond what they're used to. You know, they're going to into a into another realm of cocktails, and you know, some are going to love it. Some will go back to what they what they trust every day. You know, what they drink, you know, their vodka sodas and things that they 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 want to drink all the time. But you know, you'll grasp a few people, and it really all it takes is, is it's not only the bartenders, but it takes a few a few strong like cocktail geeks and and people that really care about those things in your in your community, and people that people that talk about it socially, you know, in social media. The, like those are the cocktail geeks are mostly going to do that for you, but you also need to have bartenders that are strong in social media and kind of you know expanding it and inviting people to their own places, basically. You know, in the way of we're making this cocktail night, we're doing this tonight. You know, I think that's really important. Thank you, Sean. Good to meet you. Very nice to meet you. Take care. 
Good morning. I'm going to re-edit this end of the show because we just discovered that the Best American Cocktail Bar at last night's Spirited Awards went to Williams and Graham of Denver. So we want to congratulate Sean. We're excited to talk to him. Congratulations, and we'll definitely have to make that trip to Denver. So we did get to run into Sean at what was called, I think it was called Strong Spirits, Strong Opinions. Yeah, something like that. It was just a panel of four or five different bartenders, yeah. and they all had really strong opinions. And Just <laughs> generally. It seems like they chose them because they were outspoken on Twitter right. and stuff like That's that. That's one so of my cool. favorite things. I love just like grumpy old man opinions. Yeah, it's kind of fun. <laughs> and so, And they actually compared them with... Some old books, so like The Fine Art of Mixing Drinks. I have to look up the name of all the books, but it's these old-timey books that are like slightly sexist and basically like, (laughs) you know, it's that attitude like to make the perfect martini, take gin and vermouth, throw it in the garbage and drink whiskey. Oh, but it was made by a female, then never mind. It could never ever be perfect. So so anyway, they had this kind of strong opinion thing. We did like little opinions on our phones. Yes. It was a fun thing. Interactive. Look on Instagram because I, I have a couple quotes from Sean and from Eric Castro said some really funny stuff. Right. Uh, so Eric had some funny stuff to say about Negronis and uh, martinis. <laughs> but can I just point out the fact yep. that everyone had such strong opinions. Some were this way and some were that way. And then they would all end up at, but really it's whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, it should be A. Oh, but you know what? It's really got to be B. But at the end of the night, everybody C. It's, you know? it's, yes. It's whatever the customer wants. <laughs> right, Like right. every single one of them, they, they would end up there after their strong opinion. So I thought that was kind of funny. So then we went to a media luncheon, Monkey 47 Gin, which I described to Lisa ahead of time. I said, Monkey 47 Gin is the new cool gin. The bottles are half the size and twice the price of normal gin. <laughs> it's a good gin, though. It is You good. drink it and you're like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, okay. It's worth it. <laughs> So Monkey 47 is Schwarzwald Dry Gin. Right. Which I don't know if, the, if that's a real thing, but it's a German gin. Okay. And as you know, the Germans are incredibly famous for their gins. <laughs> I don't think no. so. The creator was there. He was an amazing man. Yeah. Gave us plenty of backstory about the whole thing. Yeah. And he yeah. loves what he does. And his gin is like 100% creativity. He has no reason to do what he does. He said that, and yet he does it so well. And you're the creator of Monkey 47, Jim. Yes, I'm the creator and founder of Monkey 47. Introduce our listeners to Monkey 47, if you would. Okay. The idea was uh, the opposite of simple. (laughs) It's to create something extremely complex, um, something that is handcrafted from A to Z, uh, where you pay attention to every detail of the production process. And what I wanted to create is a very complex gym, where you could really sense... Uh, nature and the different aromas uh, from the bitterness from the sweetness from uh, from uh, flowery aromas tangy aroma because my interpretation was in gin uh, basically used in a martini or uh, in a gin and tonic or a gimlet has to be fresh and crisp uh, has to be refreshing but also with a lot of finesse depth and lots of pepper uh, lots of heavy essential oils so actually I was composing the gin like a perfume guy would uh, create a perfume. That makes sense. The bottle looks almost like a perfume bottle. It's small. It's sort of uh, delicate, I guess. Is that okay to say? Yeah, yeah. No, no. That, uh, it's a perfect word. Uh, it's um, it's a gin that happened. It's an eau de vie or a fruit brandy and an herbal brandy that happens to be a gin. So the idea was not to create a 
the 500th uh, industrial type of gin because that's already there. Why would I do that? So I think there's a gin is a very dynamic uh, spirit, and with knowledge, craftsmanship, competence, you can achieve results that are just phenomenal. Very nice, very nice. And Monkey 47, they can probably hear in your voice, is a German gin. <laughs> so, yeah. so what's the what's the status of German gin these days? Well, I was some sort of the pioneer, but uh, it's been such a and it's tough to say that for me as uh, as the owner. It was uh, some sort of success uh, internationally. So there's a lot of uh, new gins popping up, and and like every you know when there's something hip and trendy, there's good ones and bad ones. Uh, so you got to figure out which ones are working properly. I so I admire people doing something uh, not for financial reasons. Uh, more of how much aroma do I get in a glass. Sure. These are fundamentally different approaches. If you want to make money, or it's a different perception and a different approach. Very nice. How's, how is Germany embracing gin these days? I think it's, uh, by volume, it's far behind vodka, but uh, uh, smaller, but it goes through uh, everything, basically, whiskey or, or gin or vodka. Uh, the smaller producers, people consume more, uh, how do you say, conscious. Mm. They ask more questions, they want to know more about the product, uh, they want to have some certain transparency. Uh, so, for example, we invite people over to the distiller and say, hey, why don't you distill gin for a day? Then you know what effort behind the product is. So, people learn a little bit more, um, but they can always differentiate a good and a bad product. So throughout our time in New Orleans, I was noticing on my Instagram that there's this person that I've been following for quite some time, a year now, mm-hmm. was in Tales of the Cocktail with us as well. Right. And she just happened to be showing up at the same events we were. Right. And I did not even realize this. We would leave an event, look at Instagram and be like, beautiful booze was there. Right, right. So finally... She was there. We met up. We happened to sit next to her at yeah. the luncheon. Yep. And we got to interview her as well. Yeah, she did. So I'm with Natalie from Beautiful Booze. So make sure you follow Beautiful Booze. She's got incredible photos. She's a great photographer and somebody uh, Lisa and I have been following for a long time. And we sat down uh, next to you at lunch. So that was really fun. So Natalie, tell us about Beautiful Booze. What do you do? Um, Beautiful Booze is geared towards a home bartender. So I have almost 300 original recipes and photos that I take myself. And a lot of them are one spirit cocktails. So it's like simplistic, easy, accessible recipes for the home bartender. Awesome. That sounds wonderful for our people. Yeah, I'm very familiar. So what's your favorite cocktail? Um, my favorite spirit's bourbon. I would have to say I really like Negronis as far as classic cocktails go. But for summer, I really like daiquiris. Nice. Yeah. What bourbon do you prefer? Mm, I like all bourbons. Um, I do steer towards rye, so I really like, for a home bartender, a really um, economical bourbon. I really love bullet rye. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Bullet bourbon has pretty high rye, too. Yeah. It's basically like slightly less rye than their rye. Yeah, it's really good. That's easy enough. Thank you. Speaking of admiring for quite some time, that seems the, that's kind of the theme. You it know was. what I mean? For the luncheon, it totally was. Yeah, exactly. It was like, Oh my gosh, you're this person? I've been listening to your podcast for like a year. I know everything about you. Yeah, exactly. So we ran into Brian Weber, Bartender's Journey. Right. He also does like the official Tales of the Cocktail podcast. 
He had the microphone to show for it. I'm Who just would have say. known? The only podcasters at Tales of a Cocktail were going to sit next to each other. And we all sit at the same table. So it was really <laughs> cool to basically say, hey, Brian, I've been listening to you for a while. Why don't we podcast about you podcasting here at Tales of the Cocktail? <laughs> so this is kind of a crazy thing because I listen to Brian's podcast. So Brian uh, does Bartender's Journey. Brian also does the official Tales of the Cocktail podcast. So this is sort of like a strange echo chamber where it's like a podcast. <laughs> and and also, about... a, also a literal echo chamber. Yes, it, yes, it <laughs> so, it's a, so it's a podcast about Tales of the Cocktail talking to the Tales of the Cocktail podcast guy. So it's, it's a very fascinating thing. So, so Brian, we run a website called Simple Cocktails. What's your favorite Simple Cocktail? Simple Cocktail? Manhattan. Yeah? I love them. I freaking love I love a Manhattan. And, um, and it's not as... It can be simple with two ingredients, or I make mine with four ingredients. Okay. Or maybe even five sometimes. Let's hear it. <laughs> I, I got to hear these ingredients. Okay. Well, let me tell you, the, uh, I've talked to, about this on my show before, but the first time I went to um, Employees Only, he poured a little Grand Marnier into my Manhattan, and it was the most amazing Manhattan I ever had, wow. and it was really, really delicious. So th- that's one of my ingredients. I like rye rather than bourbon. Yeah. A good vermouth, of course. And uh, bitters. Yeah. But the fifth ingredient, you know, I like, I like, I like Rittenhouse rye. Yeah. And old Oliverhold is such a bargain right now. So I mix them one to one. So I take okay. the, two, the two ryes, one to one. So you get a little bit of each, you know. So now I took this cocktail. It's supposed to be two ingredients. Somehow I made it five. Yeah. But it's, it's delicious, you know. Yeah. And, it's, and it's economical. I'm always looking for a bargain, you know. It's just I'm the like, way you like it. So that's, the, that's what counts, right? That's what counts. But, you know, you got to take costs into consideration, you know, because it's, it's a real thing, you know. I mean, you know. I, I I might have a cocktail every evening and or two, and I don't want it to at home. I don't want it to cost me you know twenty bucks a day. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. So you're a New York guy. So uh, what's your stance on rye in a Manhattan? Is that the only way to make? I, it? I like that's my preference. Yeah. I, I like it. I, lo- I love the spiciness of rye. I love the depth. You know, it, I, you know if you're just sipping whiskey on ice. You know, I, lo- I love good bourbon. I wouldn't necessarily drink rye on, on the rocks, but in you know, Manhattan, I think it's, I think it's the way to go. And that's that's my opinion. I don't know. So we traveled on. We went to see a Dale DeGroff seminar, mm-hmm. which was interesting. That guy's a great storyteller. He is. So you heard him here on the podcast the other day. He's a great storyteller. He is able to just tell stories and make you feel like you're right He's there with He's able to him. paint a picture of a time and a place yeah, of is. how things were. And yeah. he was able to talk to us about his bitters. Yeah. It was, it was a seminar about how bitters make a difference in Manhattans. Right. So there was five identical Manhattans and five different bitters. And so everybody gets to try them. It was sort of like, oh, this is a drier Manhattan. This is a sweeter Manhattan. And it was strictly based on the bitters. Nothing changed in the right. mixture. So that was – it was a good seminar and it was really fun. We ran into a guy who seemed like a character to us. And so okay. that's why I wanted to talk to him. Didn't you think so? Yes, he did. So we've been to these DiSorono events occasionally or DiSorono seminars and uh, – this guy's there. He's kind of larger than life. He's like six inches taller than me. He's and a bit I'm, of a dandy. Maybe. He's got a nice handlebar mustache, but he's like six inches taller than me. Right. I mean, and I'm a tall man. Right. So he's a big old dude. And he has the most beautiful Irish accent That's in right. the world. Darren Garrity, he is DiSorono's mixing star for this year representing Ireland. And there's a group of about 15 of these guys, but this guy seemed like the most interesting. 
So you are what's the what's your title? Uh, I'm the Irish national winner. So I'm the Irish mixing star. Very nice. 2015. What's your uh, what's your experience been like here at Tales? You having a good time? Uh, yeah, amazing. Like 99 of the stuff is all like you know spectacular. Uh, meeting a lot of like, the same-minded people. Kind of, uh, there's education if you want education, there's fun if you want fun, there's crazy if you want crazy. So it's kind of a great mix. I think uh, having bartenders putting the one kind of like mixing pot is pretty cool, you know. So uh, there's so many different events I've been at now over the last couple of days. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been eye-opening and a little bit draining. Trying to do that and keep a straight, kind of straight-laced. And by all then you have to kind of meet people and then there's other people that want to party, so it's... <laughs> you have to try to do both, I guess. Yes, yes, yes. Any favorites? Has there been a favorite seminar, favorite thing you've done? Uh, yeah, like, at, we were at the Camper English. Uh, he did a seminar on the cures yeah. yesterday. So um, I thought that was quite interesting because, like, I think they've probably done 15,000 seminars on gin and whiskey and... To have something kind of quirky like liqueurs is pretty interesting. Yeah, like I kind of I've got to meet a lot of people, um, like Sean and Jack uh, from the Dead Rabbit are here. Uh, they're Irish boys as well, so uh, they're up for uh, best cocktail menu for Tail 2015. So uh, I'd love to see uh, I'd love to see them win that as well. Uh, and then I think just in general, everything you know, everything has been great. Um, bought a couple of books. Yeah. Uh, the Drunk Botanist. Yeah, that's a great uh, book. Great I book. Them. I haven't read it. I, I, everyone, all my friends recommend it. So I read I, it in one sitting. I could not shut the book. The situation is, I've, my friends have all recommended it, and it's been building up that I was going to buy it, and I kept putting it off, and it's on my wish list on. Uh, it's on my wish list on Amazon, and I just kept putting it off, putting it off. And then when I seen it right in front of me right now, I have to buy it. And then I got this other one. Uh, it's basically a cocktail. I can't even think of the official name of it. It's a, a book about um, beer and cocktails. Okay, okay. Uh, I have to say, it looks like a really interesting read. I can't even think of who's... I've just seen it. Uh, cocktails on tap? Yes. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I've seen that one. Uh, the guy was telling me, like he said, it's it sold out. The, the uptake of that book specifically had been like so amazing people just you know bought it uh and then i got to um try some uh you know have you heard of the pink house i haven't it's a bitter company ph uh, and they have a smoldered bitters so it's uh, almost like uh it's like smoky chipotle okay um so i'm looking forward to going home and having a manhattan with that in it uh should be interesting good that's great thank you no worries thank you as things began to wind down uh, we started making dinner plans and there was a great craft cocktail bar in new orleans called cure right the people who started cure have some other craft cocktail bars that are slightly different themes like mm -hmm. more tiki or whatever cure is more just like a craft cocktail bar right i was kind of honored comforting it was comforting right that we ate dinner mm -hmm. and we had a handful of cocktails a piece and they, it was so good it, it was, was really quality stuff it was a pleasant place Really the perfect beautiful. ending to our New Orleans trip. Yeah, it felt like just a little date night, you mm -hmm. know, at a really nice craft cocktail bar after all the hustle and bustle of New Orleans. Right. Uh, which has been fun. 
but it's nice to feel like we're winding down. Right. And so away uh, from Tales of the Cocktail too. Yeah. So. Yeah. So we were way down. I don't know my directions. Maybe it was south. <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I don't know New Orleans. Away from downtown. Yes. I, let's just say away from the chaos of Bourbon Street and Royal Street right. and all that. It was really nice and pleasant and peaceful. And so Neil, the guy that started Cure and the guy that's working on these other bars as well, came over. We got to chat a little bit. It's been a bar for like seven years. We just really enjoyed talking with him about his vision for the whole thing and just really enjoyed our time. So any particular theme, any, any thoughts when you opened Cure? Yeah, I mean, I think that what we wanted is we wanted kind of one foot rooted into classics and then one foot rooted into modern cocktails. So the idea was to make sure that it wasn't so modern that we didn't feel like, that people didn't feel like there was connective tissue to the things that really resonated, to the cocktails that really resonated with people. So if you look on the menu, even even in the way that we write the menu, it all connects back to a classic cocktail. Yeah, I saw that. I, I ordered one from the classics and then... The yeah, actually the brands have started to really, few of the big brands hate us for the fact that we have taken most of the branding off the menu. Wow, yeah. And so, maybe not hate, but they but they definitely have been a little disappointed with it. But I didn't even I didn't even think about that. But yeah, it doesn't necessarily say what type of gin, whatever. Yeah, but I but I think all in all that logically it makes sense for people and I think I think even even my friends at the brands understand because they say it's all about for us it's all about the guest getting the cocktail that they want. Yeah. And so at some point we kinda looked around and we said if Sometimes I look at cocktail menus and I know I know what every bottle tastes like and I can maybe put it together, but I still don't know how some cocktails are going to come out in a cocktail bar. And so the idea that we just weren't doing our job from a menu perspective when we were listing out ingredients because our guest is not going to be able to put that together. And so it was about, and I had this... This, this line that my dad used to say that went over and over in my head, which is when I would over-explain stuff, which was, I asked you how to tell time, not how to build a watch. Yeah, exactly. And I kind of felt like in the world of cocktails that we were telling everybody how to build a watch and when, it, when people just wanted to know what, what time it was. Yeah. Well, and I think that's it. I think this is the end to our Tales of the Cocktail podcasting. I cannot wait for next year. Yeah. I really hope that we can come back next year, and I really hope that we can come back with the same credentials. Yeah. Because it's not going to be the same. It's like when you have a taste of first class, mm-hmm. you can't go back. No, you can never go down. <laughs> it's nice to be media here. It's, it is. It's nice, and, and we hope we've done a good job representing Albuquerque. I, I, we hope we've done a good job on the podcast. Like Looking back on it, we really had the opportunity to talk to these cocktail all-stars, right. to our friends, right. to friends we had never met but always wanted to, right. to people we admire. I mean, th- there was this wide spectrum in each episode of people we talked to, like, hey, that dude looks interesting. Let's talk to him. <laughs> you know what I mean? So so I hope we represented that well right. in what we brought to you. And I hope this was helpful for you. We'd love it if you just left a review on iTunes. Yes. If, you know, just, just stick around. If you subscribe to the podcast because of our interviews, because of Tales of the Cocktail, stick around. Uh, just get to know us at Simple Cocktails. We'd love to have you as a listener. We'd love to have you uh, as part of the Simple Cocktails family. So thanks for listening to our special edition Tales of the Cocktail episodes. I'm Greg Mays, the managing editor of SimpleCocktails.net. And I'm Lisa Mays. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
Thanks for tuning in, guys. Cheers. <laughs>